Hi, I'm Deepak Madnani, entrepreneur, problem solver, and amateur barista. I am on a mission to help forward-thinking entrepreneurs succeed and grow by understanding two simple rules. Crisis is a clarity opportunity, and the question is never really the question. Today, I am putting my barista skills to the test and sharing a cup of coffee with resilient problem solvers from all over the world. Let's get started. In this episode of Deepak Has Coffee, we hear part two of my interview with Hassan El Hori, aviation industry expert, author, and group CEO of National Aviation Services, NAS. In part one, Hassan shared how his organization made decisions for longevity during the pandemic. We discussed dealing with revenue dips as an organization, focusing on communication and relationship building in the early stages of entrepreneurship and how to empower the right people to recession-proof your organization. You can hear part one on episode 12 of Deepak Has Coffee. In part two, Hassan returns to share how specializing within your niche helps you build a better team and better serve your market. We discuss what it means to check your digital health, focusing on opportunities, and creating a healthy ecosystem within your organization to support employees post-pandemic. And now, Part two of my interview with Hassan El Hori. So for an entrepreneurial company with less resources, let's just say, right? I don't have 8,000 employees. I have about 30. Okay. And currently what I'm doing is, and especially because it's COVID and nobody can travel and there are all these resources available globally, I'm kicking off with like consulting agreements first, three days a week, you know, and let's drip feed, you know, let's just get these projects done. And I realize for me, as an entrepreneur, we're so ambitious, we want to do everything. The person comes in, we say, here you go, do everything. And it's madness because you're, you're almost setting them up for failure. Yes. In fact, I would say you are setting them up for failure. That's right. Now I'm like, look, the markets have shrunk, right? So as it is, we're working on a handful of opportunities anyway, right? Why don't we shrink them even further? And as opposed to doing 10 things okay, why don't we do three things amazing? And you know what? Give that time to do that three things amazing. And that's such a, strange way of working for me, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm feeling so much more. I mean, it's scary because I feel like I'm not busy, but actually I, I feel the impact of the business is so much greater. Are you hearing what I'm trying to say based off what you just said? <laughs> yeah. So look, I agree with you. You know, we, you know, at one point when I was leading NAS 10 years ago, 11 years ago, we were much smaller and, you know, we didn't have the luxury of hiring specialists in every particular yeah area and so it was expected that everybody did everything yeah right you might be a director but you still need to do a powerpoint presentation yeah you know you might be in the accounting team but you will need to pick up a contract and read through it you're not a lawyer but nonetheless yeah. so as the company grows i think people become more specialized but that's not necessarily a good thing by the way because for various reasons yeah but i i certainly get the fact that you should have your goals focused. Try not to do too many things at the same time, which is one of the reasons why we said, look, there's obviously airports all over the world, but we're going to be competitive in emerging markets and we're going to define our emerging markets as Africa, the Middle East, and South Asia. Mm. That's where we believe we're, you know, we have a competitive advantage over our competitors. And that's where we're going to focus. We're not going to look at North America. We're not going to look at, you know, other parts of the world. That's what we're going to focus on. And, you know, we've built a huge network of relationships there. We've built our brand there. We've built, you know, human capital there. So 
we're trying not to set ourselves up for failure. I mean, if I, if I go into, for example, Japan or Hong Kong, I'm sure there are companies that are far more competitive than ours. Right? Mm. But if those companies come to the Middle East or Africa, well, that's that's our backyard. I think we'll we'll have, we'll have the upper hand. That's another great point that you're making, but I want to be clear about it. Is get clear on your value proposition. You know, it's that unique contribution that makes you who you are, and don't be afraid just to double down on that. Right? I mean, you don't need to have somebody else's value proposition. It's yours. You know, that's get right. stronger at what you do, and then go with that. Yeah. Oh yeah. You need to think of where you're going to add value to your customers. You know, your customers are looking for value yeah. every day. Yeah. And, and that's the reason why they come to you. So you need to make sure that you're adding value to your customers. And it doesn't happen overnight, right? It takes years and years and years of blood, sweat, and tears to get there. The famous saying, it took me 10 years to become an overnight sensation. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's true. You, you know, it's, you build brick by brick by brick. And when you look back over 10 years, you realize, you know, you've built this fantastic thing, but it doesn't happen overnight. I guess in your expansion, you must be working with a lot of entrepreneurs that you've got to work with, right? What are some of the mistakes you feel that they make when they work with someone like you? Interesting question. So there's two types of entrepreneurship in my opinion. There's the internal, the corporate entrepreneurs, okay, who are people who work within a large organization, yeah. but have a great idea and they launch it as part of a larger ecosystem, Sure. which is people that we have internally who, you know, if you launch an operation in, in a new country or you introduce a new technology in our company, that's corporate entrepreneurship. Okay. Right. And then there's an entrepreneur who, you know, independently on his or her own, you know, starts their own company and, and launches it. Right. I think in both cases, the mistake that they often make is they assume that because, you know, I have a large company or large investor behind me, that it's an open checkbook. It's mm. not, you know, and they often think, well, you know, what's, hundred thousand dollars what's a million dollars come on this is a great idea it's not going to fail you know just back me up help me out whatever and the reality is that even large companies have to be frugal with with their spend yeah. right because a hundred thousand quickly becomes a million right mm. so you need to make sure that you're not throwing your money investing in random things in the hope that one of them becomes the next google and, and i think a lot of entrepreneurs just assume that because you know you're Kuwaiti company, your big company, that it's an open checkbook. No, the way we're going to do it, and the way most big companies back uh, entrepreneurs up, is they invest a little bit, see the results, invest a little bit more, see the results, and gain momentum slowly over time. Mm, mm. And how's that working out for you in terms of, of your corporate development side? Look, with the digital health stuff that we've done. Digital health is that what you said? Digital health. Yes, digital health. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So we've done some interesting things over the past year on digital health. And this um, was something new brought about by the pandemic, right? It wasn't on your book otherwise, right? Okay. So this not is in our book. This is you and your teams adapting, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 So about June of last year, the heat of the pandemic, we thought, you know, we we, we brainstorming, we're all in lockdown, quarantine, etc. You know, you're at home for hours and hours and hours. And we said, how is aviation gonna, you know, what's it gonna look like in a year, two years? So we knew PCR tests were gonna be the thing. We knew that social distancing is gonna be a thing. And we knew that eventually vaccines, you know, are gonna be important. We didn't know when the vaccine sure. would come out, but we knew that it would come out at some point. 
so we developed a a system which we called MUNA, M-U-N-A, Medical Utility Network Aggregator. And basically, we did it for the Kuwaiti government, whereby we linked all the labs, the PCR labs in Kuwait to the airport. The objective was that anybody who has a PCR certificate, when they come to the airport, we can scan it and we can tell, you know, it's Deepak Madnani was tested on this date, tested negative, because there were so many forged certificates. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we didn't want Kuwait to be a country that's exporting positive cases because then, you know, other countries might shut the flights to Kuwait. But then we did the reverse because a lot of people are coming to Kuwait with forged certificates. So we identified the major other cities that have flights to Kuwait Mm. and we chose top labs in those cities and audited them and connected those labs to the airport in Kuwait. Okay. And so if you're flying, for example, from Istanbul to Kuwait, there are two or three labs that you can go to in Istanbul. You get your test done. We will be able to have your results automatically. And then you would be okay to board. Sure. And you would fly over sure. to Kuwait. Sure. And obviously the, the objective behind that was two things. Number one is to make sure that you don't have a forged certificate. Sure. And number two is to make sure that the labs themselves are adhering to the highest standards because there's big differences between labs around the world. So we did these two things. The third thing that we're doing now is we're building vaccine databases for countries and using those databases as a conduit for travel. So they integrate with basic travel networks and travel systems to facilitate travel. We've done that for Kuwait. We're doing it for a couple other countries. So that's the stuff that we're doing on the digital health side. Okay. So again, I want to highlight (laughs) Hassan's mindset, guys. I want to highlight Hassan's mindset. Okay. It's not even about what's the opportunity here is you have such a great sense of alignment with what's going on. Of course, there's a crisis going on, but you're not seeing it as a crisis. You're seeing it as the market's just changed. So I'll, I'll explain. I'll, I'll, I'll give context and maybe you want to, I can explain to you a little bit more. Um, Hassan, so a lot of my personal journey has been uh, personal crisis, uh, family business and all that financial crisis of which turned into trauma for me. Okay. A lot of the work that I'm doing now and that I've been doing in the last eight years, coaching and mentoring startups, entrepreneurs, incubators, accelerators, running my own businesses has been about working with those entrepreneurs that fall into these traps, you know? And actually, one of the things I like to say is that crisis is just a performance indicator, you know, or crisis is, uh, is just raw material for growth, you know? And I think you are the epitome right now of what you're sharing. You're in the aviation industry. So my industry was hit. But we had cash flow issues and we had like like everybody else, but things we knew would be restarting in three months and then things ramped up. So we had a great year at the end of the day. Okay. And now this year we're also, you know, things are looking great. Although other things have happened to me that have, again, taken the oxygen out of my system. But anyway, that's, that's for another story. And my mindset's so much different right now. Okay. But coming back to you, I mean, Hazan, you could almost be in any situation. And for you, it's just like an automatic toolkit of, you know, a process of, Okay, guys, let's get together. How do we approach this? So I want to challenge you to talk a little bit about the stuff that you take for granted about yourself, okay? In terms of, and I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying that clearly it's something that comes naturally to you, okay? So let's say April, May, June, in the heat of everything. You're juggling a ton of things here, okay? What's your playbook, Hassan? Tell me. Look, Deepak, I think I'm sitting here in front of you today and you only see Hassan. Yes. But there's a whole ecosystem around Hassan, which made all of this. 
there's a team. Absolutely. So, so any one of my team members could be talking about the fantastic things that we've done because we sure. did them as a team. Sure. Right. I have, you know, a great CIO, I have a great CFO, we have a great commercial team, we have great ops teams that, you know, made all of, were able to translate all of this into execution, mm-hmm. have a great board that gave us great ideas that supported us. So there's this whole ecosystem around that made this possible. You know, I have, I have a great spouse and kids who also supported me because, sure. you know, homeschooling last year was not easy. It was yeah. Yeah. all out war at home yeah. every day, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, you know, you had to juggle all of these things. So it's not just Hassan, you know, it's all of us. And it's inevitable that some days Hassan feels down or my wife feels down or, you know, my COO feels down. It's inevitable. But it's right. everybody else's responsibility to remind that person of all the great things that they're doing, all the great things that they can do and lift them back up. So what I'm trying to say is it's a team effort. It's not just, it's not just Hassan. And then, so... What adapted at your end? So in my end, I'll tell you what I did that I'd never done before. You know, I'm so used to coaching other people. I never thought about coaching my teams. And because we suddenly had time, I was like, you know what? I ran coaching sessions with my leadership team twice a month. And I didn't realize, but after like almost 25 sessions, so we're getting close to the end of the, end of the year, the teams transformed. It's their effort. But I'm saying it's because I took the time to get everyone together. And so I, you know, I have people in Vietnam, in the UK, in China, in different cities in China. I'm in Hong Kong. No one can travel. And it's not like English is, you know, everyone's first language. So, you know, there's all this complexity with culture and, you know, cameras on and, you know, confidence, introverts, extroverts, you know, and just learning to play like this was so interesting, but was so, it was such a great team building and a connection exercise as well. So forget even team, just a great connection exercise. And what I'm seeing today is the team is like dancing together, but we're still in different locations and, you know, some countries can travel, some can't. Okay. So how have you approached things with your team then? How about I, I rephrase the question that way then? Look, I think you've certainly done much better than I have on the coaching and team dynamic side. I would say that's probably one of our weaknesses is we haven't spent as much time aligning, gelling as a team. It's been crisis after crisis in Pakistan. Right. You're in the aviation world, right? I'm in aviation. And, you know, every time I say, let's spend three or four hours together as a team on on Zoom or Skype or Teams or whatever it is, some new crisis pops up. Sure. And it sucks, you know, all of my attention and my team's attention. So we have, I don't think we've been doing as good a job on that front as we probably should and could. I also don't think that I personally as a leader have done as good a job coaching others as I probably should. And I, I think you're absolutely correct. My head of HR constantly reminds me, Hassan, you, know, you need to spend more time with everybody. You know, you need to invest in those relationships and so on. Sure. And I genuinely have every intention to do so. It's just a crisis pops up and, you know, yeah. Yeah. refocus. Before COVID, I must say, I genuinely enjoyed spending time with people I work with, whether it's professionally in a meeting or even just going out and grabbing lunch or dinner or a drink. I genuinely enjoyed that. But, you know, after COVID um, and all the crises, it just wasn't happening. Hassan, I'll give you a suggestion, which is what, what I did as well, as with everything. Realistic and achievable. I use this word internally a lot. Realistic and achievable, but high performance. Realistic and achievable, but high performance. Start small, my friend. Start small. One hour, one hour and a half, maybe one, one hour, one hour and a half, once a month. To write that down. Right. And literally, uh, there's something I learned from, from one of my coaches called 
positive focus. Okay. And, you know, I mean, like, like anything, I develop my own tools and I also adapt other people's tools. All I did for people, and this took time, and this is part of the transformation we've seen in, in, in my business. So Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach has this tool called Positive Focus. Very simple tool, but, you know, I think every entrepreneur, every team needs to run it. And you just talk about some progress or some result that's been happening. I took this tool a little further. I said, you have to share something that's personal and with one part's personal, second part is family, and third part is work. And let's define what is a positive progress. It can be a result or it can be just progress. You know, entrepreneurs are so goal-focused, are so driven. We don't take time to breathe. We don't take time to acknowledge. I was, I was interviewing a, another uh, guest yesterday. I think you know him as well, Dana Leong. He's stuck in Japan the uh, musician entrepreneur and he's like just looking back about his life and he's like celebrating the moments that are running through because we're achieving so much we won't get to see them and when you you know watch that movie of your life and you go through that instance you're like why didn't i celebrate so for me it's like and it took like 25 sessions over 10 months with my team so listen so don't expect anything in the beginning but literally everybody shares and you have to lead so you have to <laughs> you have to yeah. start first and you know what one of my things was I've been home for a month. I haven't been home for a month forever. That's just That's progress. Right. And I get, to, I, and yes, it's been crazy. You know what? I was tense. And so I was blowing up at everybody. But you know what? I was at home for a month. Another thing was I, I started playing tennis. Again, you know what? It's not about, you know, everything, right? And then with my teams, we started these coaching calls, you know, these sharing calls. And then with work, one client's agreed to give us a, a payment term with a fixed date, you know? So, so it's not like, you receive the money, but there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know? And you know, for a lot of people, Hassan, because they're part of teams, they can't even acknowledge the progress that they've made or the results that are happening in front. For a lot of people, it took them almost 10 sessions. The worst one, I, I'm not judging them, but the worst one that took 10 sessions to start is saying, oh, I haven't been to the gym this week. I'm like, no, no don't tell us what you haven't done, you know? I haven't lost any weight yet. No, no, don't, don't, don't do that. It's, and, it's, and it's so interesting because you realize that's how we talk. That's how we're showing up today, right? Yeah. So I'll humbly suggest realistic, achievable, but high performance. Get six, six of your people together. Everyone has to share for five minutes and, and you lead with an example. And try yeah. that, man. It's going to transform, you know, just thinking and the teamwork, you know? I mean, how much more can you accomplish today? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. How does that sound? No, I think it's definitely, I mean, I, I wrote two things down here from what you said. Number one is, obviously realistic and achievable. So once a month, we're going to have a team meeting, point well taken. And then the second thing is celebrate the wins. I don't think we do a good enough job of celebrating our wins. You know, you kind of just expect it and you win, you move on, right? Yeah, right. The next thing. And I think, you know, you need to just stop for a second, pat everybody on the back and say, good job. What did we do right? You know, what did we learn? And how are we going to take this forward? Because that gives you momentum for your next battle. Yeah. And please don't judge the win. Oh, that was a big win or a small win. We should be celebrating all wins. That's right. And let's use the word recognizing. So celebrating maybe for some people is like it's a bit OTT. No, recognizing. Let's talk about it. You know, yeah. we close our books on time. That's a win, man. You know, for a lot of yeah. people, they struggle to close their books on time, right? That's right. Right. That's right. We also did this thing where our business was down, you know, so we didn't have to lay off anybody. But we gave choices to some people and they decided to move on. Okay. And there's a story behind that, but I'll explain. But, but what some people had done as we had reduced working timings. Okay. 
And that's how we had to, we managed some of our costs and people had more time and, you know, there was no business, right? But what happened when the business came back roaring, right? We paid back the lost time because there was validity and the business was coming back. So it wasn't like, I'm trying to save money here as the owner. That also, I think for the people working in, in our business, some of these people have been with me. I think most of the people have been with me 10, 10 years plus, 15 years plus. It was such a big impact to them, small impact to the business. But what kind of gesture to show them that, you know what, we're, we're in this together, you know? And these things that happen, just the motivation factor is just amazing. And for me, it's just, it's very humanizing as well. So I think for me, COVID, besides trying to be creative and get into coaching and manage my mindsets, I think COVID was a humanizing time for me, especially with my teams as a business. Is this making sense or relating to you? Listen, it's a humanizing time for you with your team, but yeah. also with your family. Yeah, right. You said, you know, you, you spent a month at home. I never spent a month at home. Yeah. Pre-COVID. And now I, I spend a lot of time with my kids. You know, I think they've, they've gotten to know me a little bit better and I've gotten to know them a little bit better. It's great. It's almost madness that I look back and saying, how did we live our lives before COVID? And it's almost like, why did we live our lives like that before COVID? And I guess in, in one aspect, technology's changed. You could say that, but we've had these tools for a while. Yeah, but Deepak, do you think that if you and I met for the first time on Zoom, mm. we would have as fraternal a relationship as the one that we have because we actually met in real life and we hung out together, you know, at restaurants sure. and hotel lobbies together. Sure. I mean, we have the relationship that we have in real life. We can kind of because we, we met. can carry it forward because yes. we, you know it started there. But I don't think we can establish a relationship over Zoom. Look, it's going to be different. And I want to come into this topic now, but I think entrepreneurs also have to start stepping up in the sense that it's almost like we've relied on the force of our personality for so long. So this is going to slide into your book. There's a reason why you wrote your book. I want to understand there is the probably the professional reasons, but I also want to understand the personal reasons. Tell us about your book, please, Hassan. So my book is called Fly Africa, and I co-authored it with another fellow YGL called Eric Kaku. Eric's a good guy. Okay. Eric's a great guy. Eric's yeah. a great guy. So I love the pursuit of knowledge. I love learning stuff and you know reading about stuff and so on. One day I would love to do my doctorate in a subject that brings technology and aviation together. But that's a different story. The reason I wrote the book, honestly, is love for knowledge, but also I found myself spending hours and hours and hours on flights, not doing anything productive. I'd have my email, clear out my email, takes two or three hours. I have a few, you know, reports or whatever to read. I do that. But then, you know, when I'm traveling across Africa or across the world, I still have six hours. And I found myself just watching movies on my iPad. And I said, well, it's got to be something better to do. So I said, well, why don't I write about all the experiences I've had traveling across the continent and learning about aviation in Africa? And that was the reason why I, I wrote the book. And I think it's about time that we write a sequel to the book now, Aviation in Africa After COVID. All right. And Hassan, what's the book done for you? Okay, you've released the book, right? What's it done for you? You know, how has a book impacted? So I'll explain a little more about why I'm asking this question. In the kind of entrepreneurial world that I'm in right now, okay, there's a big movement to convince entrepreneurs to talk about their stories, to talk about what they know about, to share that. It's not just thought leadership. I think it's also to do with the fact that people aren't traveling anymore. So this is the new world that we're, you know, the whole point of building relationships. This is this whole point. 
So I want to ask you, what's this book done for you? What do you feel it's done for you? First of all, it's a personal accomplishment. That, you know, you've done something that you've, you've wanted to do, right? I learned a lot about aviation in Africa just by writing the book. Yes, the idea was that, you know, I have all these experiences and knowledge in my head and I want to put it down on paper. But as you're doing that, you're researching a lot, you're reading a lot, you're talking to a lot of people. So you end up learning a lot and it structures your thoughts and your beliefs around the topic. You know, you have a certain view of how things are and why things are, but actually writing a book forces you to structure and support your hypotheses. And so you start to formulate better ideas with evidence. So it's, it's really a personal accomplishment. I mean, a book, you know, unless you're, you know, you're Stephen King or, you know, one of those, you know, famous authors, it's not going to make you a lot of money. And, you know, it's more personal than it is external, if you will. But Hassan, I, I think what you're going to see is that this book's going to help cement your relationship value, your thought leadership value, you know, globally. People are going to be, they're going to know about the book. They're going to know that you're an author and that you, you run a company. And it just adds, you know, it's, it's another way of kind of showcasing the experience besides just being chairman or CEO of this business, right? And I think that's what it's about. It's going to get people to get to know you better from this point of view. So uh, I, I was really excited to, to have seen you launch that book. I was like, excellent. You know, that was, that's a good one. And it's going to be Did inspiring. Did you read it? Not yet, buddy. Come on. I think my uh, Amazon is, uh, I, it's, I think it's late or they lost the package. Maybe I'll have to buy oh, another okay. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Please buy it by all means. I mean, I get like a dollar every time you buy a book. So Awesome. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to buy one. I'm going to buy one Send for Send a sure. dollar my way. <laughs> Will do. Hassan, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close up by asking you a question. Um, what, would you, what would you have told yourself 10 years ago? Okay. Knowing what you know now, what, what would you have told yourself 10 years ago? But some advice that you think that you would have actually listened to? A couple of things. I would probably tell my younger self, take it easy. There's no need to, to stress, you know, about accomplishments and your career trajectory. Take it easy. Enjoy the small things in life that you are blessed with. That's number one. And number two, slightly contradictory, but nonetheless, when I look back, professionally speaking, I regret the opportunities I did not take more than the opportunities that I took, which I probably shouldn't have taken. And so I think looking back, there was a few times when I walked away from a deal or I, you know, burnt a bridge or I, you know, I didn't grasp something. I regret those more than when I did a deal and it turned out to be a bad deal or I signed a contract and it turned out to be a bad contract. I regret those less than the stuff I did not take. So part one, I get great, you know, basically, yeah, take it easy, you know, relax and enjoy the journey, right? Enjoy the moments of the journey, right? That's right. Number two, Hassan, I will humbly say that use this as just raw material, right? All of this in the past. And again, I think this is something entrepreneurs don't do enough of because we're so either busy firefighting or on the next crisis or, or on the next ambition. We're not evaluating enough, right? We're not taking pause enough. Again, this is probably linked to the first point as well, because I don't think, because I, I believe that there's a speed, let's say between, you know, we can either be at speed six or we can be at speed nine, you know, between that, it's not really impacting us much. Okay. But the difference between speed six and speed nine is that at speed six, you can take pause and you can take the learning. You can make the time to align with your teams. You can make the line to celebrate, recognize, you know? But at speed nine, 
No, you're just pushing, pushing, pushing. Your results will be the same, you know, throughout, but the quality of the journey will be different. Okay. That's right. But we have another 35 years, at least exciting times ahead of us. Right. So just take all that raw material and you know what? Turn it into your Mona Lisa, right? Going forward. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. All right, brother. Listen. 35 years, huh? Is that all you're giving us? At least, right? I said at least, right? (laughs) No, I think at the pace healthcare is going, hopefully we'll have more than that. Good, good. Hassan, why don't you tell us a little bit about your business, NAS, okay? And how can people contact you? So NAS is an airport services and ground handling company. We're based in Kuwait, but we operate in 50 airports across the Middle East. Africa and South Asia. The services that we offer include check-in at the airport, managing bags, making sure the right bag gets on the right flight. We manage lounges. We clean aircraft. We push aircraft. We load food onto the aircraft. We do all the toilet and water for the aircraft. And a big part of our business is cargo. So offloading cargo, warehousing cargo at the airport, clearing the cargo, and also, you know, receiving cargo and then loading it onto the aircraft. In a nutshell, that's what we do. We also do some light maintenance for aircraft. Great. And where's the best place for people to contact you? Is it LinkedIn? So people can contact me on LinkedIn. Yep, that's a great idea. Okay, awesome. Hassan, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this, but this was awesome for me. It was great to catch up. Deepak, it was great to catch up, and thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you for joining the conversation today. Did you have any moments of clarity? I would love for you to rate and review this episode. Your feedback is crucial to tailoring this content for your growth needs. If you would like to hear more, please be sure to connect with me on LinkedIn and or message me on DM at DeepakSCoffee.com.